Welcome to a special edition of the Fencing Podcast. Um, I'm Sean, and today I've made the journey from home in Edinburgh uh, on a ridiculously early flight to Paris for the Challenge International de Paris, uh, probably the most prestigious and famous uh, men's foil event in the world. Big, knowledgeable crowds, all the world's best fencers, and it almost certainly is the one that everyone wants to win. So I'll be recording a little updates um, after each stage and I'll get those uploaded so you get a report as the day goes on uh, and a summary at the end and hopefully manage to get a couple of decent interviews as well. So into the action. Well that's the last 64 uh, round done and a uh, couple of surprises in there um, Daniel Dosa of uh, Hungary beat um, 14th seed Kalong Chung of Hong Kong 15-8 a pretty comfortable win um, other top 16 seed uh, Peter Jopic of Germany um, seeded 15 for this and a previous winner um, looked a pretty horribly off form against Hav Korea uh, who ran out a comfortable 15-7 winner um, to, to see Jopic depart uh, at the first time of asking. Um, other results worth worth noting. Um, Bianchi of Italy, uh, junior world number one, uh, defeated uh, Poti of France, uh, 15-12. Uh, good win for him, uh, getting an outing in the Italian team. Um, and one worth pointing out, it's not a win, uh, was uh, Borodachev of Russia, who's only 16 years old, uh, still a cadet, um, battled his way through the pools and the preliminary Ds yesterday uh, before making the last 64. Um, and going out to Van Haster of Canada fairly comfortably in the end but uh, uh, still an impressive performance from a, a very young fencer a um, couple of fights for you to, to track down uh, when the, the footage from the live feeds comes out um, both involving uh, American fencers against Russians um, and both on the green piece um, Garrick Meinhardt against uh, Alexei Cheremisinov uh, was a tremendous comeback from Meinhardt he was miles down uh, 7-1 down at the beginning uh, couldn't find the target for anything in Jeremy Snoff hitting with uh, loads of counter-attacks and remises uh, but he f- fought his way back into it managed to get his point on a bit more um, had control of the fight towards the end um, and eventually uh, ran out winner 15-13 uh, Jeremy Snoff uh, extremely grumpy at the finish um, which was a shame obviously uh, and the other one was a, a really close fight uh, between Reese and Bowden um, against Dmitry Zerubchenko, uh, two reserves for the respective teams um, at the Olympic Games. Uh, and Bowden largely looked like he was in command of the fight but could never quite quite pull away. Uh, I think the biggest lead he had at any point was, was three hits and in the end it came down to a 14-all um, and Bowden finish it with a, a tremendous full length of the piece attack, uh, really quality stuff so um, on to the last 32 stage next going to go watch some fencing and I'll be back with you just shortly to let you know how it's looking then Well my first interview of the day was with uh, USA men's foil uh, team coach uh, Greg Masayalis, who took time out of his busy day of watching his boys uh, powering through the early rounds of the DE, uh, to speak to me. And here's what he had to say. Uh, so, Greg, uh, welcome to the Fencing Podcast. Thank you. It's nice to be here. A um, uh, couple of questions really, with your, your role as the USA men's foil coach, which has been confirmed for the, this Olympic cycle now. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted to ask you about the, the development of this uh, amazing men's foil team that the USA now has. Can you tell me how the team... Uh, was formed and and what you see is their 
biggest achievements and what they still have to look forward to? Well, I mean, I think that the, the good thing about this group is it's been together for a long time and uh, both as juniors and then subsequently sort of getting to the senior squad. Um, in 2008, um, Garrick uh, and I was on the team, Miles was, was the fourth um, on the junior team. They won the junior worlds for the first time ever. Garrick was a cadet, I mean Alexander was a cadet at that time and then subsequently the next year 2009 he was on the team in Miles. So those three guys have been together and then uh, after the Beijing Olympics um, where Garrick was the first sort of the 2004 senior guys sort of basically sort of faded out. Garrick stepped up, qualified for Beijing and then subsequently the other guys retired and then um, uh, then the squad sort of changed and Miles, Alexander, Garrick was the core of the team uh, from 2009 all the way through. So it's been together for, you know, more than eight years. Uh, Race got onto the team in 2011. So, you know, basically this core, this team has been together for eight years. But even before that, and even, even though Race came a couple years later, the Race, Alexander were on junior world teams that won the junior world championships. So, um, you know, it's, it's been a team that's sort of put together uh, over the years and successfully put together. And in terms of my role as a national coach, it's a little different than most um, countries um, because we have, we're a big country actually, if you look at it, we're like a continent. So if you like you say Europe, that's America. Okay, so, you know, we have all these different places and we have two coasts of fencing because two of the guys are basically from the West Coast, two guys from the East Coast. So we don't really have the same kind of scenario that happens in a lot of places. So what I always look at is, you know, what is it, how can we be successful as a team given our dynamics in terms of ge geometry, geography, I mean, um, you know, where the people are, different things that are going on, how can it really work? Uh, I don't try to copy like a Soviet type system or Chinese or whatever else. I always look at how is it that can work best for us. And it's going to be unusual for most countries. They don't think about it, but you know, the reality is I think that that's what we have to do. Uh, to be successful and other countries have to do what they could do to be successful. So, you know, my whole core is to work with the coaches and be together with the coaches so we're on the same page, the training, do whatever. And really, we only get together once a year. But when we, uh, in terms of training, like pre-rolled or pre-Olympic kind of camp, uh, all the other times we're training our own groups and different things. But the guys, I try to always have them like, it's all about you four guys. It's the Fab Four. It's not, you know, it's not about me. It's about those guys and really pushing them to go. And I think that's really helped. There's a very strong bond among those, those guys. Um, you know, and also in terms of just simple things like, you know, uh, housing arrangements. You know, it was easy for me to put, say, for example, Garrick and Alexander together. But no, I wanted to make sure I had separated them, so it was a mix. So, so typically, uh, Miles and Garrick will be together as roommates, and then Alexander. And I think that kind of helps read a sort of sense of more togetherness yeah. and everything like this. And I think that if you look at our group, we probably are the, one of the most together groups of any. Yeah. It certainly always looks that way. There's never any sign of the uh, where you can work out where you know, the separate clubs that people have come from. It's a, it's a so, um, you know, so I look at, uh, we have a strong group that's been together and uh, the nice thing is we look forward to 2020. I think that it's going to be the same core of people that are going to be here. 
Um, and uh, we've got a few little minor tweaks here and there potentially. Garrick's had a few health things, but it seems to kind of be working its way out. Um, and today I'm happy that he was uh, able to kind of find his way in kind of a, a big match to start yeah, with the great, day great with. Uh, against, a tough last 64 against, fight. Yeah, Chermisinov, which is a tough 64 match. Um, but basically, I think it's the same core of people. And so I've sort of been working with this group, and now we have a little transition because race is now working with Golubitsky. So, you know, introducing getting Sergey into the mix and how he has, uh, you know, obviously some very good, good things to offer and also working with the race on a regular basis. So, I mean, all those things are going to work together, and I think for our squad, that's going to be it. And then afterwards, we have a large group of young cadet junior fencers that are quite good. So I think after that, uh, potentially, because, you know, 2020, um, you know, the race will be 27. Garrick, will, I mean, Alexander will be 26. Uh, Miles will be, you know, he's the older guy in, in the group. He'll be like 30. Uh, and, and Garrick will be similar kind of age. We don't quite know if there's a team event or not. And then, you know, some people say, yeah, no, there won't be. The truth of the matter, this really is still very much up in the air. Okay. And if it doesn't, if there is a team, then I think it'll be fairly similar. At least three of those four guys will be pretty much uh, consistent. Uh, and if there's not, there's only two of them. So, you know, I think in terms of how we prepare things, I look at things kind of on a sort of quadrennial by quadrennial basis and yeah. then also looking at the younger guys. They're going to keep up. Fortunately, we have a long, large group of young guys that kind of continually keep them up. And part of the part of the thing is to try to keep those young guys going. I think we have a very good shot at uh, winning the Junior Worlds this year. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, at, this, at the summation of the year, we won the overall World Cup, uh, number one, individual men's foil, senior uh, senior men's foil team, and junior men's foil team last year, even though we didn't do well at junior, uh, junior World Championships. The reality is that we have this core that's going to sort of develop for the future and kind of keeping that pipeline going. And it's sort of different because it's not a matter of me supporting, pushing, whatever else. It's basically me allowing other coaches all over the U.S. to be able to have an opportunity to create the fencers and to be able to get recognition for that fencer. Uh, and I think it's interesting because, you know, otherwise you have natural coaches always in charge of sort of... But I think that you're having that transition now. I think a lot of countries are changing. Even here, you look at the Russians, they're no longer having, like, one head guy that's yeah. doing whatever. The Italians are using a variety of different coaches. It's all... I think it's kind of changing a little bit more as opposed to, like, all oh, the national coaches then coaching yeah. everybody. No, sort of we work to whatever. And, you know, in some cases, I have, for example, Garrick helping coach Miles because they kind of get along really well. And so then I would talk to Miles and Garrick in terms of what I think kind of would work. You know, during the match, I'll be in the background a little bit. But I think that's the whole thing, building that camaraderie. And this is what we need to be able to keep doing, whether it's like this year, the next year, 2020, 2024, and so on. Yeah. Um, so a sort of perpetual line of American men's full of success well, would be the that's plan. Well, that's, that's the plan. Uh, I think that, you know, first of all, you look at trying to get the initial success. Um, and then subsequently, then how you're going to maintain it, um, and I think that's uh, the key for any country. Yeah, I think certainly with the lineup of uh, junior men's foils, you have them with a, a very strong group, mm -hmm. and uh, as soon as any of the, the current senior team uh, waver, I suspect right. that once certainly once they're out of juniors, they'll be right, be right there to step in. Um, so. Having talked about the team, um, I'd like to ask you about about your boy, your son, Alex. Right. Um, world number one now. Um, 
medalist at World Championships, Senior World Championships, Senior uh, medalist at the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a you know, tremendous period of success for him right. personally. Right. Um, and what I wanted to ask about was, um, does that bring a, a kind of pressure? Does being world number one, you think, make him um, more of a target for other fencers? Well, I mean, obviously, always there'll be that situation. The reality is he's been number one now for, if not almost a year, certainly at least. He basically became number one in Tokyo a year ago in November. I think there was a little period for a couple weeks that he dropped out and then was back on again. So he's basically been for more than a year consistently what's going on. We never really looked at it. The goal was always the Olympics uh, for this last year and for... Yes, and so since the goal was always uh, about the Olympics and and then the year before the Olympics, obviously it was to qualify, but also the World Championships, and he hadn't done that well in the World Championships before. Um, He made 64, I mean 16 once, I mean consistently in the top, but you know, it wasn't really the highest level, not medal before. But I think that, um, you know, focusing on those specific kind of goals and then the other things all kind of come along the way. The number one ranking is something that's basically, uh, it's wonderful to have. And uh, I think that part of it was also the fact that he took off from school. He's at Stanford, which is one of the top universities in America, engineering students, so it's very, very difficult. So his senior year, he took off actually at the end of his junior year. So basically he he has about a year and a third. uh, So the reality is that last year allowed him to kind of not concentrate on study, just focus on fencing and apply himself, and uh, played a lot of video games as well, but that's another issue. It's um, <laughs> getting his relaxation time, I think. It's right, important, exactly. No, absolutely. And then now, you know, really, he's, really, I told him not to, let take it easy, you don't want to burn it, you know, just to, you know, just to relax, enjoy with your buddies, do the whole thing, have a good time at Stanford. It's very, very challenging. His last year, engineering, like I said, there's a lot of things going on. And so, he hasn't hardly fenced that much. He stays in physical shape. He's had maybe only like 10 lessons since the Olympics. Um, you know, and the reality is once you're at this level, you can maintain quite a bit with a good physical understanding, a good mental approach to the game, and then keeping fresh. And I think that's what has allowed him to be able to be successful at this point in time. Um, and as we go forward, you know, it's not like always consistently going straight. It's all about having peaks and preparing for the peaks and then go down a little bit. It's okay. And the reality, if you're a solid enough fencer, then your down won't be too far down anyway. So you kind of hold it in terms of what goes on. So the goal right now actually is the world championships. Um, regardless, whatever happens, he's like actually in the world rankings, like way ahead of everybody. Right yeah, lot. by miles. But it's, you know, that's, it's sort of nice to see what the end of the game. The reality is we look at how the world championships come along. Okay. Greg, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and thanks very much for taking the time to, uh, to speak to me today and good luck for the Actually, rest of the weekend. One thing I also want to tra- say, you know, because mm. James Davis has been, been basically training with us yeah. for all this time and he's really been a great um, personality, he's a great uh, uh, passionate fencer and also just a great individual I think it really helped, that's one of the reasons he also sees with our club, we have a very good integration. And, you know, it's sometimes a little difficult because as a national coach, I can't coach him at competitions. Um, so we work at him, and quite honestly, I have to actually, there's times I have to, like, coach against him mm-hmm. at, at competitions because of my role as national coach. Um, but he's been a, really a great fencer, and I'm really disappointed that he had that en- injury. But yeah. he's coming back strong, and from when I, all, 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 all things are going well, and so he'll be back on, on course. I know you're British. Uh, would, uh, would you like to keep an eye on our guys? Like yeah. On young, you guys. Yeah, no, we're looking forward to uh, seeing James back in action before too long, certainly. Thank you again. Greg, thanks very much indeed. Cheers. 
last 32 round just uh, finished and the big big news from that one is that uh, Daniele Garozzo the Olympic champion is out of the event uh, losing out to Brazil's um, Toldo uh, quarter-finalist in his uh, home Olympics and fence for an absolute blinder against Garozzo who looked horribly off form um, other shocks in the, the 32 um, young Italian Bianchi which I mentioned in the last 64 uh, beat uh, hometown boy Enzo Lafore 15-14 uh, a great fight on the blue piece well worth watching and um, Tranny of Italy uh, also having a, a good day beating Miles Chanley Watson uh, 15-11 um, another really interesting fight um, young Rossitelli uh, fencing uh, Cassara two Italians uh, battling it out Rossitelli took an early lead and was looking fairly comfortable but Cassara uh, scrapped and battled his way back into it and eventually, eventually got over the line at a 15-14 uh, an absolutely tremendous fight and again well worth tracking down and uh, worth having a look at uh, back to more fencing action it's pretty relentless now one round finishes and the next round is on straight away one more fight for the British fans in particular to, to pick out in the last 32 uh, Richard Cruz wins his fight against uh, Komisarov of Russia um, and he looked so comfortable it really was an example of uh, a world class fencer fencing against a, a good international fencer uh, it was tremendous stuff so Straight back to the action for me, uh, and I'll be back with you shortly for a report on what happens in the last 16. One of the heroes of the fencing podcast over the last few months has been French men's foilist Urban Le Pechou, uh, an aspiring leader of the French team. And I, I caught up with him today and had a quick chat about what it's like to be a French fencer competing at the CIP and what it's like to lead the French team. Here's what you had to say. Arwan, welcome to the Fencing Podcast. I wanted to ask Thanks. you about the uh, Challenge International de Paris, where we are. Um, what does it mean for a French fencer? Uh, it's the best competition uh, in the world. It's uh, an amazing World Cup because uh, there is a very, very good organization. There is a lot of people who are working for this uh, tournament. And it's like uh, World Championship or Olympics because it's, uh, there is three or four thousand people who came uh, to, to watch fencing. So it's, it's a, an amazing uh, feeling when you fence uh, uh, in front of uh, all, peop all people. Yeah, and, uh, crazy. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. So for, I think all the fencers think the same when you, uh, when you spoke with, uh, with fencer. Everybody will, will will say this is the one, uh, this is the best one for sure. And for French, it's a little bit uh, uh, stronger in, in your in your. Yeah, it means it means more. To yeah, you. for sure, because all the public uh, is uh, with us, and so we would like to fence a uh, lot of uh, longer longer time. Yeah. Every every year we hope. We have a lot of matches and we won a lot of matches and continue until the end. Yeah. Sometimes it happens, sometimes no, but uh, every every year it's a wonderful competition. Yeah, I agree. I think everybody, all the fencers look forward to this World Cup yeah. more than more than any of us. Yeah, everybody for sure. says it's their favourite. Yeah, for sure. Um, we've mentioned in the podcast your performances in the in the French team and the team yeah. events. Um, amazing, amazing fencing for you in, in these events. Um, I want to ask you, um, do you, do you prefer fencing the team events or the individual or are they just, just different? No, it, it's different. Um, my best results uh, were with, uh, with the team events. 
But uh, I like I like to fence in individual, but it's totally different by team because you share your emotion with your partner, with your teammate, with your coach, and uh, so it's totally different. But uh, I think I'm better in a team event because it's uh, it's a short match in five touch. So my my fencing is with a lot of movement and a lot of. Uh, Uh, with my legs, I have to use my legs uh, every time, and it's very difficult uh, for my um, physically. It's very physically, so it's easier for me to fence in five touch. Yeah. In 15, it's difficult to yeah, to, to go to, fo- to go forward and back, forward and back to to put one touch. By team, it's m- it's more easier for me. So yeah. I'm better in team events, but. Uh, Uh, it, it's same. I like individual and I like also uh, team events. Yeah, great. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll not keep you any longer. Thank you very much for taking the time You're welcome. to speak You're to welcome. me today. And um, good luck tomorrow in the team event. I really look forward uh, to seeing you fencing there. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Thanks. So our last 16s are done and some tremendous fencing in there. Um, I'm going to pick out four fights to mention specifically the, the eight because they, um, they were the best. They were tremendous fencing. Um, Massialis managed to scrape past the young Italian Bianchi with a 15-14 win. Um, Massialis was just about over the line, comfortably up, I think it was 14-11. Uh, all that effort from Bianchi pulls it back to 14 and Massialis just manages to get the final hit. Uh, a tremendous fight and well worth a watch. Um, Avila takes out his teammate, um, Cassara, in the, in the 16, uh, with a, a reasonably comfortable 15-12 uh, win. Cassara yeah, didn't really look like he had had a handle on it and Avila looked, looked a bit offensive. Um, All-American clash, uh, Meinhardt against Dimboden uh, was a, a very comfortable win uh, for Garrett Meinhardt. A uh, bit of a surprise, last year uh, in the last, oh no, in the semi-final, um, Dimboden absolutely crushed Meinhardt, uh, whereas today it was completely the reverse. Uh, Meinhardt was all over him um, and Dimboden just could not find an answer. Uh, so 15-7 there. And uh, last one I'm going to mention at this stage, uh, Richard Cruz um, up against uh, Italian Alessio Facconi, who was the winner of the uh, Grand Prix in Turin, uh, the last bit of uh, men's foil action uh, that we had at the end of the year. Uh, and this was an absolute nail-biter. Virtually the whole fight spent in uh, Cruz's half of the piece, Facconi applying pressure and uh, Cruz coming out with his, his usual variations in defence of stop hits, counter attacks, parry reposts, attacks in preparation. Um, and in the end, uh, Richard Cruz gets, gets over the line with a, a 15-13 win. It was a, an absolutely tremendous fight um, and I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I think probably what I'm going to do now, that we're down to the last eight stage, is uh, I will do a final update and round up of the whole day um, once all the action is finished. Um, but our final uh, our final eight lineup is going to be uh, Massialis of USA against Trani of Italy, uh, Sato of Japan against Avila of Italy, Safin uh, of Russia against Meinhardt of USA, and Cruz of Great Britain against Ha of Korea. I'm really looking forward to it. Okay, so we've made it to the end of the day. Um, when I last left you, we're just going into the quarterfinals, and um, all four matches were pretty similar in how they how they went. Um, all four of them were really close, no more than a hit in 
um, one way or the other um, up until about two thirds of the way through the match and then in each one, one fencer pulled away to win pretty comfortably uh, so the winner of those matches were uh, uh, Masialis beat Trani 15-12 uh, Avila beat Sato 15-11 uh, Safin beat Meinhardt 15-12 and Ha uh, beat Cruz 15-11 um, all high quality matches and as I say super tense for most of the fight and then uh, each of the each of the four winners uh, managed to take control and uh, book their place in the semi-finals so the semi-final lineup um, Masialis against uh, Avila and uh, Safin against Ha so uh, Masialis Avila was the first one up um, and Masialis went charging into an early went 6 nothing up in, in no time at all. Uh, Avila clawed his way back into the fight, drew close to level. I think he was still a couple of hits down. Um, but Masias pulled away at the, game, at the end uh, to make a, a fairly comfortable looking win. Uh, none of the drama of their uh, quarterfinal at the Olympics, uh, where Masias had to, to pull back a huge deficit. Um, he saw the fight out fairly comfortably and won 15-11 in the end. In the second semi-final, um, Safin against Ha, uh, really close all the way through the first two thirds of it, and they were level at the end of the first break at 10-0, um, which was a bit odd to be honest, because um, Safin really scored all the memorable hits. Um, There's some tremendous, tremendous attacks from him, some amazing flicks to shoulder, um, but he could never, never shake Ha off up to that point. Uh, but at the beginning of the second period, he, he really did take control of things, uh, no mistakes, uh, and eventually uh, ran out a fairly comfortable winner of that one as well, with a score of 15-11 as well. So that gives a final matchup: uh, Masialis against Safin. Um, really close all the way through with this one. Uh, nobody really pulling away. I think there was no more than a hit or two in it, um, right the way up to very close to the finish when Safin managed to get into into a lead uh, and was 14-12 up and uh, the way the fight had gone he thought you know a two a two hit lead at that stage so close to the finish surely is going to be decisive uh, but Masialis just would not let it go uh, he hung in there clawed his way back levels up at 14-0 and eventually got the win uh, a nail-biting fight could have gone either way uh, and eventually Masialis took the took the victory and a victory as I said right at the very start in the most prestigious uh, Men's Foil World Cup um, it's been a fantastic experience I mean loads of highlights of the day the quality of fencing was just incredible um, things that I really enjoyed uh, the size of the crowd was huge it's a big venue uh, holds about 4,000 people um, and the place was absolutely mobbed uh, and all of them know their fencing as well so good hits get the applause they deserve um, refereeing decisions that perhaps don't meet with approval are you know loudly and vocally booed um, and a you know, general, general feeling of um, warmth and appreciation for the fencers um, highlight for me speaking to Erwin Lepeshu and Greg Masialis uh, thoroughly enjoy speaking to both of them um, obviously I've been outed by Gav as a, as a Lepeshu fan um, and uh, while he had an okay day today, uh, when out in the last 16, um, I look forward to seeing him leading the line for the French team tomorrow. Um, and of course, the best thing was actually being here live. Uh, nothing beats seeing world-class fencing 
live and right in front of you. Um, watching it on YouTube's uh, a brilliant thing and I thoroughly enjoy it and it, you can learn a whole load from it but uh, you really can't grasp the, the speed and the precision uh, and the physicality of it um, unless it's right there in front of you and I, I do love seeing that. Um, so that's that was my day in Paris and it's been absolutely fantastic. Um, teams of tomorrow, um, I'll not be doing an update for tomorrow in the same way that I have done for today and we'll talk about that in our next episode of the podcast. Um, but now, time to head off into Paris, get some heat, maybe a glass or two of uh, Vin Rouge, uh, and probably time for a bit of a lie down after a very busy day. Uh, hope you've enjoyed it, and I hope you listen to us next time uh, when we record our next episode, probably in a couple of weeks. So we'll see you then. Thanks very much. Bye.